Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I am here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the ninth episode on June 30th, 2020. Let's discuss the many personalities of the elephant ear. If you want to see more from Houseplant Homebody, you can find me at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. Also, join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. Elephant ear is a plant that has the potential to bring a ton of impact to your landscape or your home. Elephant ear is the common name for a few different types of plants. There are four that are considered elephant ear, and that is Alocasia, Calocasia, Xanthoma, and Caladium. Xanthoma is not commonly cultivated, but it looks very, very, very similar to an Alocasia, and we'll discuss the differences in a minute. So the common name, obviously, for all four of those is elephant ear. The caladium plant is also commonly known as the angel wings as well. So the main differences between these is the leaf stalks or lack thereof. So the alocasia and the xanthoma have leaf stalks that continue kind of as a backbone to the leaves, whereas the calocasia stalks don't support the leaf. It just stops right when it gets to the leaf, almost forming like an L-shape or an elbow sort of. Caladium is not the same thing because it doesn't have a real stalk or stem. They're called petioles and those petioles rise straight from the bulb, which is what this plant forms from under the soil. And the caladium is distinct just based on their colors and their patterns they come in. They're a lot more brighter reds, pinks, whites, light greens, and some of them are speckled, really, really pretty, versus the alocasia, the calocasia, and the xanthoma are not such bright colors. They do have really, really pretty greens and blacks, purples, but they're not as brightly colored as the caladium. I hope that all makes sense. I'll also put this all on my website if you want to check it out at houseplant-homebody.com just so it's written out so maybe you can understand it a little bit better that way. That's how I am. (laughs) So all of those plants, alocasia, calocasia, xanthoma, caladium, all of them are called elephant ear. So if you went to a nursery and said you want an elephant ear, they're going to point you in about four different directions, which is okay because maybe you want all of them. All of these obviously come from the same family, the Araceae family. The other plants that are in this family are Jack in the Pulpit, the Arrowhead plant, which actually looks very similar to Caladium, but it's not, and the Anthurium. And there are some common cultivars, probably the ones I could find the easiest when buying at the garden center was Alocasia Regal Shields, Calocasia Mojito, and then Proven Winners brand had a ton of varieties of caladium. I bought a couple called Lemon Blush and Heart and Soul, really, really pretty with pinks and whites in them. So you can find those pretty easily anywhere you go. I've also seen them at Home Depot, Lowe's. Usually Home Depot and Lowe's or the big box stores don't have the unique varieties. They either have like the Regal Shields looking alocasia where they're just playing green 
um, or stuff like that, but they still got them there. So where these guys were from originally, Alocasia, Calocasia, those originated from Asia, Eastern Australia, and kind of along the equator. They like to be in uh, a higher hardiness zone. And Xanthoma came from the tropical areas of North and South America. And Caladium is from Central South America. So that's kind of a background on the difference between the four plants. We'll go into the differences for caring for them, um, whether it's a landscape plant or a house plant. But let's start with talking about it as a landscape plant. So, Alocasia, Calocasia typically can be in zones around 8 to 11. Some of them can handle a little bit colder as well. I've seen some of them zone 7, but if they're in zone 7, typically you would have to overwinter the bulb, and we'll talk about that later. Caladium likes to be in a little bit hotter, humid space, so keeping that at about a zone 10 if you're planting it outside, 10 to 11, that's ideal for that guy. Doesn't tolerate the cold very well at all. Xanthoma is the same as the Alocasia calocasia, 8 to 11, but typically likes to be in the higher range if possible. So the elephant ears in general grow from what's called a corm, which is similar to a bulb. It's not exactly the same thing. And typically you want to plant these guys anywhere from two to inches below your soil surface. So it's similar to planting a bulb, but they grow from a corm. Commonly people describe it as a bulb, but the actual name of it is a corm. And there are a few types of these guys, elephant ears in general, typically calocasia, that like to be grown or can tolerate being grown in shallow water. Alocasia, though, typically does not like to be submerged in water like the calocasia does. So that's something to keep in mind when using this as an outside plant. If you're living along the equator somewhere and you want to have these in your yard, Make sure you're doing your research and checking which varieties can handle a lot more water versus not so much. Since these plants originally kind of grow as a rainforest understory plant, they don't like to be in full sun. So if you can keep them in a partly shaded area, that will be the best environment for them. If you have them in too much sun, they'll tell you the edges will start to burn. That just means they're in just too much sun. And I would either suggest moving them or making sure you're adding a little bit more shade for them. And as you can imagine, these guys can get big or they can stay small. I am not sure if you've looked online or seen a ton of different ones online at all, but in their natural environment outside, there are some of these that can stay about two feet, but there are some that can grow 10 feet. So also, again, make sure you're doing your research. Um, most of them stay about three to five foot. That's like the most common sizes you'll find, but there are some of those that can get 10 feet. So Make sure you're putting it in the correct area and it's perfect for your landscape down the road. Alocasia, Calocasia, Caladium, Xanthoma, all of them are actually pretty heavy feeders. So adding a little bit of fertilizer or even adding a rich compost to the soil around the plant will really help this guy produce the most leaves in as little amount of time. So giving it extra fertilizer or adding that little bit of compost throughout the season will definitely help. And keep in mind, there are varieties that grow in clumps, kind of stay in their own area, kind of like a hosta does. Otherwise, there are varieties that have a little bit more of an invasive tendency. Not exactly invasive species at all, but 
they tend to spread like an iris does. So since they grow from rhizomes under the ground, they grow very similar like an iris. Some of them do for they spread underground and it's kind of hard to control them. But it's not like a pothos that if you plant that thing, good luck getting it out of the ground. You can overwinter these. So like I said earlier, Calacasia and Alacasia sometimes can handle the colder temperature areas, but you're probably going to need to take the bulb out of the ground and overwinter it. And that's 100% possible. So if you're in like a zone, even a six or a seven, and you want to keep your Alacasia, you'll notice that once it starts getting colder, all the leaves are going to fall off. It's very common. Don't worry. Don't freak out. The bulb is still alive. So you can take the bulb out, keep it in a dry cooler space in the winter, and then pull it back out when it's warmer. And the bulbs like to be brought out when the soil is a little bit warmer. So don't bring it out right when like the frost is over with. The soil needs to be a little bit warmer, like high 60s, even 70s. That's what that bulb produces the best leaves. And it's just going to sit in the soil and be cold. It's not going to want to do anything unless the soil is warm enough. So kind of as a recap for the landscape plant real quick, you're mostly going to be seeing these plants in a higher hardiness zone. If you're in zone six or seven, you're probably going to want to overwinter this bulb. So make sure you're taking the right precautions for that. And oh, one more thing I forgot to mention. These plants, like I said, do get big. Therefore, the leaves get huge. So make sure you're also keeping them out of a very strong winded area because it can rip the leaves. Obviously, if you've got a breeze here and there, it's not a big deal, but a strong wind will hurt the leaves, as a side note. So, part sun, make sure you're fertilizing or adding compost for the added nutrients, and make sure you're doing your research on the variety to know how much water this plant needs, whether it likes a lot of water or likes to be in well-drained soil. All right, so now let's move on to talk about them as a house plant. And guys, I have learned so much from this. I have a few, but I will be changing my ways after doing this podcast. All right, so the elephant ear, like I said in the landscape plant area, likes to be in an area that is not direct sunlight. That being said, as a house plant, the elephant ear does need a brightly lit window. So I would stick it in as bright of a window as you possibly can. If you're noticing some burning on the edge of the leaves, that probably means it's too sunny in the area for an extended period of time. So you could add like a light shade curtain or just moving it back a little bit from the window could even help. Also with watering these guys, it honestly depends on what you're picking as your plant. So a lot of alocasia and calocasia typically would rather have a little bit more consistently moist soil than letting it dry out in between watering. So keeping them consistently moist is really important during, especially during the growing season. So if you're noticing leaves dropping and it's the growing season, I would first check the soil to make sure you're not letting it completely dry out between watering. That being said, don't let it obviously be in sopping wet soil. Don't let it dry out completely. Humidity is also hugely important for these guys too. So it's also something I didn't know. And as I was reading, I have a book called Houseplants, A Guide to Choosing and Caring for Indoor Plants by Lisa Eldred Steinkopf, I think. I think that's how you pronounce it, Steinkopf. Anyway, um, in here, she literally says, The humidity is key though. These plants will get a serious case of spider mites if the humidity isn't high. A pebble tray under this plant is a must. So 
I will also be changing that about my plants because I don't have pebble trays under them and I I did spray like I have a moss kind of covering the bottom of the plant and I was spraying that to increase humidity but it looks like a pebble tray would be even important too and because they're a high moisture plant I also read online that fungal problems are an issue so directly spraying the leaves isn't necessarily going to help it. So I actually had a friend, her and I, we went shopping at Lurvie's uh, Landscape and they had really, really pretty elephant ears and she was misting them, misting the leaves and ended up getting fungal spots on it. So she stopped doing that and it's doing a lot better now, but that's just an exhibit of why that pebble tray is probably really important for them and that high humidity is really important. So keep that in mind. Also, everything I just said in winter, forget it. Winter is a totally different story. You want to reduce the watering significantly and only water or occasionally or almost not at all. So they need their time to rest. If you see the leaves starting to kind of dissipate, there's only like one or two. That's super common and don't be scared by it. (laughs) So that's just what happens with these guys in winter. That's why the hardiness zones are so high on these. They, They just don't tolerate the cold really almost at all. So once it starts getting cold and if they're if your house is cold, they're not going to like it and they're going to want to go into dormancy, which is fine. That's their regular pattern. So especially around here, if you want to store them as a bulb, you could. If you want to keep them in your container as a houseplant, just make sure you're reducing the watering significantly. And if it's not cute, just put it away in in your basement or a different room that's not front and center. They'll pop right back up in spring though. And you can add that fertilizer right in spring to really help it out, get it back in the sun, and start watering it more. And like I said, just like the landscape plant, these guys do like fertilizer. So you can do that in many, many ways. What I found online is the two things I found online are compost. They like a rich soil, which as I talked about earlier, Plantarina considers that almost a slow-release fertilizer because it does add nutrients and when you're watering that in over time it slowly releases it down to the root system. So that's a great option. Just adding a little bit of that mixing on the top of the soil would work. You could also use an all-purpose liquid fertilizer during the active months every two weeks it suggests but I would just make sure you're looking at the type of fertilizer you're getting and if it says every two weeks fine. If it says every week do that. So just make sure you're reading what kind of fertilizer you're getting in the packaging of the fertilizer you got. I also have just like the regular slow release fertilizer, which acts the same as a compost. So you could do do that too. That way you're just putting it down spring and I would probably put it down again, depending on how long your slow release fertilizer lasts. So elephant ear are heavy feeders and they thrive when they are fertilized regularly. Unlike a lot of the other houseplants that we've already talked about. So that is key. So let's go into some other facts and we'll do a recap. Okay, so what I'm going to say, I'm going to say the opposite in a second. Many elephant ears are considered poisonous. Now, that being said, some calicacea have been a food crop in countries near the equator, Indonesia, China, Africa, Polynesia, and even in Hawaii, actually, here in the United States. And they are edible only if they are prepared correctly. So don't go out, grab a stock, and just nom it on it because that ain't going to work for you. 
There's a really good article on the University of Wisconsin-Madison's website with their Master Gardener program extension. And I'll leave a link on my website, houseplant-homebody.com, so you guys can see it. They have a really good article about the elephant ear, considering alocasia, calocasia, xanthoma, but they also have a separate article about caladium too, because they are technically different just strictly based on their structure. So they do have separate articles for them. Another kind of quick fact is that they do bloom. Some varieties bloom. Their flower looks like almost like a cow lily flower or a peace lily flower, but they're not known for their blooms. So don't pick this guy out just because you want it to bloom like that. If you want to bloom like that, get a peace lily. But they do bloom. Not every variety blooms. So maybe you'll see one, maybe you won't. Mostly they're known for their foliage and that's kind of what you're buying it for or adopting it for. So there's that. And these plants do form from rhizomes similar to how an iris spreads and grows. And a lot of times these plants will have like an offset or like a new little plant forming from part of a new rhizome that can be separated and formed into a brand new plant. Not necessarily propagation, but separating, getting a new plant off of a new one, that's how you would do it in this case. So let's recap all of the houseplant stuff. Watering is important. Make sure you're keeping the soil moist and not letting it completely bone dry out between watering. Make sure you're keeping this guy in really bright sunlight. Fertilizer is also very important for elephant ear. So make sure you are giving your elephant ear fertilizer during the growing season. This will really help the amount of leaves that you're getting on a seasonal basis. And don't be scared if you're losing leaves. That just means it's going into dormancy in the winter and it's completely natural. So just let it do its thing. If it's getting closer to winter, don't worry about it. Just water it a lot less. That'll probably be the sign that you need to cut back on watering. If you have any more questions, feel free to contact me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can also contact me through my website and I can try to answer your questions. Otherwise, on my website, I will be putting those University of Wisconsin-Madison links up about each of the different types of elephant ear. They have information on everything. So go check that out. And if you have any tips or tricks or hints for anyone keeping these guys as a houseplant, feel free to DM me, message me on Instagram or Facebook or my website. I would love to hear them and post them on my own feeds as well. So thank you for listening to episode number nine of Houseplant Homebody, all about the elephant ear. And this is just a reminder that you can find more at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world, and I can't wait to bring you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for new podcasts and YouTube episodes. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. So unfortunately for you, I went through this episode with not a lot of mistakes because I did my research. So I was going to talk a little bit about just really quick how I prepare for these podcasts. 
I usually start by going through all of the books that I have and seeing if any of them mention the plant and in this case it was the elephant ear. And then I read through all of the pages on each book I have and see if it provides different information or similar information. And then I try to go online to see if I can find even more info. So I don't have a lot of books on the elephant ear as a landscape plant. So I'm finding most of my information online there. So that's kind of the process on how I do my research. So that's just kind of a behind the scenes tidbit there. If you have any more questions about what books I use, what websites I visit, please let me know. I am happy to share and I do commonly post on my website so you can check it out there for each episode. Thanks guys. Mm -hmm.